welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. My partner, Brad Binkley, has not been able to be here this week. We will see him again on Monday. We're very, very happy about that. But we've also been very happy to spend this week with our gracious guest host, Cam Harless, the fabulous podcast host, producer, visionary from the Mad Ones, <laughs> themadones.com. How we can are themadones.com. We are themadones.com. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Because yeah, someone stole my URL before I bought it. I don't even understand. <laughs> Welcome to my world of torture, monicaperez.com. Ron Paul is in the same boat, but he seemed to get his back. That's all right. We don't care. We're bigger than our URLs, aren't we? Abs- yeah. Absolutely, we are. All right. Well, what's bigger than us and probably everything on earth is the American Jobs Plan. Like, I hate the title even. Like, it's <laughs> if it's an infrastructure plan, why is it jobs? Actually... So what I'm talking about is the infrastructure plan that the White House rolled out, and I think it was April. Yesterday, basically, they said, oh, the White House has had to suspend negotiations with the bipartisan, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. and now some hardcore Democrats and Republicans are trying to hash out something more bipartisan. I'm going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you my thoughts about that. But this is a good time to maybe, I don't know if you have heard this, I've said it on the show a couple of times, uh, that I was reading... Our Enemy, the State by Albert J. Nock. It's a very short, free on PDF, really one of those critical things to read, like The Law by Bastiat. And what he said in there was that we will always, political power will always be insurmountable if jobs are viewed as something to be given. Mm. And it took me a long time to really understand what that meant until I started to understand that there's an impetus to work, like a human imperative to work, that if where there are fingers and soil, there is work. And Mm -hmm. for this lady, if there's dirt, I can find work to do. Even if you guys can plant (laughs) stuff in the dirt, I will be happy to clean it up. So there's always work. There's, you can give each other massages. You can sweep the floor. You can dig a hole. There is always work. The idea of the government creating jobs is like uh, an oxymoron. It's anathema to me. Yes. Well, and the, the problem with them being able to give jobs is that they can also take them away, which was, if you look at January 20th of, I guess this year, God, this everything's a blur. But the first thing that Joe Biden did was end a bunch of American jobs by saying that the the pipeline could not come over the border of Canada into America. So this that battle, let's just take a moment to talk about that. That battle's been going on for years and years, right? Yeah. Is it are you saying that last nails in that coffin? I saw a headline to that effect, but I never know. Well, that that is what the environmentalists are claiming. Um so back in like I said back January 20th uh, Joe Biden said that the um, XL Keystone XL pipeline would not continue past the border of Canada into America, losing people's jobs. One of the big things in the election and in the campaign that was a, a thorn in his side was how he had talked about clean energy and getting rid of fracking and then having to go into Pennsylvania where he's from and say, no, 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 I'm not going to get rid of fracking. And he had to back go back and forth over this thing. But um, the the independent um, 
reported that this is their their headline fossil fuel era rapidly coming to a close climate activists rejoice as keystone xl pipeline is axed okay so there's a lot in there you can a lot finish if you want but i okay. i I can pick up on that for sure is what you said about they can give it, they can take it away. That is true. Mm -hmm. That the fact that he could, could validly plausibly go to Pennsylvania and promise those jobs means that the president who should have no power whatsoever over policy has the power of life and death and jobs yeah. and no jobs in a way that I'm sure medieval monarchs only dreamed of. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, what other thoughts you have on that? And then I've got a lot on the infrastructure plan. Oh, well, I was just going to say that it's for me, like I, I've been told that um, I have a sunny demeanor and I have a good heart. So I, I'm even though I'm extremely pissed off most of the time, I don't sound it. So <laughs> let me tell you. These... That completely contradicts what I would think of you given, I think, something we're going to cover in the patron 15 about your violent wise, whiteness. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about how violent my whiteness is. <laughs> Come on, Fat Thor. Emphasis on Thor. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. I hate environmentalists. And I, 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 I mean, I don't hate people who want to do better by the ground and by the soil and by our Conservationists. Earth. Right. My father always I called hate, himself a conservationist. Right. Conservationists are great. Environmentalists they are just flexing over this. So the Keystone XL pipeline was supposed to go over 1,700 miles from Canada down to the Gulf Coast, and it was supposed to move 830,000 barrels of crude oil daily, which would lower Americans' costs when it comes to buying gas and heating their homes and all of these things. And it would give jobs to, to American, um, pe the American people. And like I said, Joe Biden axed it on January 20th, and then uh, I guess yesterday or today, I, I showed up in my feed today, um, the the company TC Energy up in Alberta talked to the Alberta's government and then canceled their part of the pipeline. And so these these people, they say it's indigenous um, actors and environmentalists. They are raising their flag of victory. And they're, the the guy, his name is David Turnbull. He's from the Oil Change International, Oil Change International. Uh, he said that the cancellation of Keystone XL is a reminder that this project was never needed and never in the public interest, and that it's time for the fossil fuel era to rapidly come to a close. He said these projects are dangerous and unnecessary for all the same reason. Oh, sorry. I, he he's also has two others that he's trying to shut down, the Line 3 pipeline from Alberta to Wisconsin and the Dakota Access Pipeline, which you remember there was a lot of hullabaloo about that several years ago with all the indigenous people and then random white people on Facebook pretending that they were there by tagging themselves on Didn't Facebook. Didn't AOC use it as a launching off point? I believe she did, uh, but they're trying to get rid of those as well, and he, he also wants to lose those American jobs and those Canadian jobs. Uh, he said that they're dangerous and, and unnecessary for all the same reasons, and they must be halted by Biden and his climate advisor to keep their commitments on climate change and indigenous rights. Okay. So I think historically the indigenous thing, they have often been riddled with corruption and can be bought off, but I want to get to the infrastructure thing and what this has to do with that, which is they, 
So, yes, you make a great point. He calls it the American Jobs Plan at the same time that he takes away what I'm going to call mainly private enterprise. It's embroilment with the government is really by force because they need permission to do these things. Right. So they could probably buy the land they needed in arm's length transactions, but they do need permission. Yeah. Not to mention the the worker on the ground who has nothing to do with any of this and just wants to feed his family. Right. Although he's not entitled to a job, but it right. is, you know, you don't, he's, the government is not coming to give him a job or anything like that. But if a private corporation wants to buy property and there aren't, so, so what we're talking about is externalities like are there mm-hmm. are you putting people in danger and that I'm not prepared to talk about that right now but so yeah. Biden is acting like this thing is a jobs plan which would be would be the opposite of what he's doing with the XL pipeline but what this infrastructure thing is it brings a lot of other uh agenda items to the fore especially this idea of new infrastructure being the thing that ushers in an era of total dependency when it comes to transportation. So Gerald Salente always would say guns, gold, and a getaway, gold, guns, Mm -hmm. and a getaway. And, and systematically they are eliminating all three of those things, gold, guns, and a getaway. So the getaway is you need fossil fuels for autonomous transportation. They, I believe they want to get rid of fossil fuels so that your transportation is contingent on what they call green energy. I'm not sure how green it is with the batteries and such, but you're not going to own your own electric car. You're not going to own your driverless car in this future right. that this is ushering in. Well, and they want the they want you to use public transportation. Like there is, I don't know if you've heard of this. I don't have a an article to link to, but on Adam loves Adam ruins everything, which is a terribly propaganda propagandistic yes, show yes, if you've yes. never seen it yeah. um he was talking about and there's a this push within the environmentalist world that cars were a mistake no one should own a car oh i saw cities, that one yeah cities should all terrible. be small enough for you to watch walk everywhere they don't like the rural thing it's amazing yeah no i i saw it was a lot of propaganda and the, and the other episodes of his are totally propaganda but uh okay so the American Jobs Plan, it's supposed to cost over $2 trillion. It is part of Biden's Build Back Better initiative, which had three different plans, the American Rescue Plan, the uh, American Family Plan, and then this, which is the American Jobs Plan. The American Rescue Plan was signed into law in March. It was supposedly a COVID relief bill. Again, $2 trillion. If you don't see the handwriting on the wall of the international bankers and that the idea is to deeply indebt us uh, at any cost, and that may even be a stepping stone to a bankruptcy that involves um, really ushering out even old currency and then having new currency like that. I believe that this, this tremendous unsustainable debt has a transformational element to it. Now this, but this infrastructure bill, Biden does tout, has touted as a transformative effort to overhaul the nation's economy. So that's interesting. That is part of the build back better thing. And that's alarming. So what it says, just this is just the wiki's uh, summary of the infrastructure bill that I'm talking about. It's going to spend large sums of money on physical infrastructure like roads and transit systems. This is going to be this is going to take into account that the end of fossil fuels has has uh, arrived. That's I'm sure is going to try to reflect that at home infrastructure like water pipes and broadband, just to make sure that all your rural people are plugged into the propaganda machine. 
the care economy, which I have a lot to say about that too, home and community-based care for seniors and people with disabilities. I've been thinking about how they systematically outsource every single solitary, untaxed, uncorporatized piece of uh, effort we ever do. So if we, so what do I do? I drive my kids around, I go shopping, I cook, I clean, I um, you know go to the grocery store. Every one of those things has been corporatized and taxed over time. So to now to the point where I could just go to the grocery store, I would drive my car to the grocery store, shop, bring it home. That's like two hours it takes me maybe to do that, maybe an hour and a half. And now I can pay them to do it. So that is something that then I have to earn the money to pay them to do it. It's that transaction is taxed. My earnings are taxed. It's same thing with childcare and everything else. So this to me is just a commodification of the consumer. And uh, it's part of that. That is a, a major reset. It is, it is a probably a great reset thing. It's going to invest in research and development. It's going to create millions of jobs, they say, bolster labor unions. I find it hard to believe it could do both of those things. Expand labor protections. And you know what? Expands labor protections as a free market. Address climate change. It says that the new spending was to have been paid for by raising the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28% and ending subsidies for fossil fuel companies, increasing the global minimum tax from roughly 13% to 21%, as well as deficit spending. So I'm going to touch on a few of those things because Biden is over in Europe right now with the G7 wanting to do the uh, create a corporate tax rate floor for the world, which to me is just insulating them from the competitive pressure that governments can face when they have terrible policies and other countries are going to respond. I could talk about that too. Uh, but I, one thing I want to make sure I address is that the Republicans, I guess Romney is the one who's leading the charge on the, on the, you know, kind of breakout room between Democrats and Republicans to hash out a plan in the wake of talks breaking down. It says new talks on infrastructure face old problems. This is a headline from the Wall Street Journal, how to pay for it. Discussions intensify among a group of Senate Republicans and Democrats. But so what Romney said was that all we care about is not no new taxes. And I would say, A, I never want to, he's a, such a fake Republican, but I never want to hear anyone say that because first of all, you have to say is infrastructure, one of the 18 enumerated powers in the constitution, is it constitutional at all? At all? There was an infrastructure push in the 19th century that resulted in at state levels, many states passed constitutional amendments, banning, forbidding any infrastructure program. It's not, it's barely it, it constitutional on the state level. And I, it is unconstitutional on the federal level. I don't want them having that power, that spending. And then the other thing is that spending is taxation. Spending is taxation. The last thing I ever want to see is spending decoupled from taxation because that creates a moral hazard of taxing without representation future generations. So if you're allowed to reap the benefits of the spending and you're pushing off the cost of it by not raising taxes and thereby doing deficit spending, you're indebting unborn people. You're indebting people who are too young to vote. The only ones who are really signing up for that are immigrants. Immigrants know what they're getting into or they should. But I, I find this is offensive morally. It's unconstitutional. And it's scary because they are using it to implement a, a fundamental transfer 
formation of the national economy. And guess who's going to lose? Anyone who's made any progress at all trying to, to claw their way out of wage slavery. And it's, there's so much to react to there. I know. I'm sorry. You got to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get out the, the actual data, the information, and then you can react. Well, one of the things that I just wanted to say um, is uh, two days ago, the there were several articles in the corporate media that were talking about how right now job openings have, re have reached a record high of 9.3 million as of April. And there aren't... An, the number of jobs actually is more than the number of unemployed pe unemployed people from what I've read. So right now they're talking about jobs plans after they've given, they've kind of subsidized people's lives through the, the coronavirus reaction with the, the unemployment and all of these things. And there are people who went from not making much money to making more from getting unemployment. And right now there are a bunch of, of regular jobs, unskilled labor jobs and more that don't make them as much as they get from unemployment. So they're not taking the jobs. When is that slated to end soon? Right. I would think so. I think, I think someone was saying something about July, but I haven't, I have, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, yeah, I know the eviction moratorium was, supposed to end June 30th. I actually had some stuff on the housing too, which I don't know if we'll get to, but they, they, that's a, that's a whole nother thing about how they want to restructure the infrastructure is with yeah. housing, who owns it and what it looks like, where it is. Biden wants to Trump zoning laws at the local level so that middle-class neighborhoods would have to take kind of like public housing or cheaper housing or whatever. I would like that. I would be okay with that law. Just, I wouldn't really, but I would <laughs> love to see in a law like that, that the only zip codes it applies to is the top five earning zip code, top five income zip code in the state. So it's going to be like in Scarsdale. Yeah. You know, in New York. So like in Beverly Hills, like those would be the only places that would have to suffer through this. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I keep, I've heard online today when you're talking about housing is people that by all means should be able to get loans and should be able to buy houses, not being able to because BlackRock is buying up houses. You know about BlackRock? They're <laughs> yes. bu buying up these houses and they're they're doubling the uh, up to doubling the asking price on houses and regular people instead of are, are getting edged out by a corporation when it comes to them wanting to buy their own house and have the American dream. And it's, it's just right now, everything is so weird and I, it makes you wonder what's well, going on. It's a very big picture thing. The great reset is going to, I really feel like they want to make absolutely everything we do need, want, consume and produce very, you know, borrowed. digitized. Hmm? I said borrowed. Bar, bar, but but digitized, and I don't. I almost. I also actually mean figuratively digitized, like in digits, gotcha. like in pixels, pixelated, so that you you have this cookie cutter household. They don't have people who have their own. Um, uh, they can't put down roots really because they don't own the house, and there's a lot. And when you don't have roots, you're more likely to move. So that breaks all those ties. At the same time, that it makes labor commoditized. A lot of things will, uh, you can surveil people digitally. You can surveil people like I, they, this is one reason they want everyone to move into 
newer apartments is that they're going to not have niches. They're not going to have, you know, a doorway or there's not going to have any features like that. They're not going to have the landscaping. You, you can see them. They're cookie cutter. Rosa Quarry used to point this out. The newer buildings, they go right up to the sidewalk. There aren't trees in front of them. They used to have a push towards having like a green space in the middle, but now it looks like it's the opposite. And I think all of these including the the transportation we have a whole list of the things that are being treated this way all in the vision i as i say the vision is that everything should look like an international airport terminal which are like white lacquer chrome blue neon and you have Corporate. your mat you know your jumpsuit and your your embedded bit whatever blockchain on everything <laughs> i see that <laughs> so so the last thing I want to get to, because you have something huge for the last story of the free 30 that's going to take some time as very deep. So I want to just hit uh, one more thing, which is this, this, so Biden is doing this G7 thing uh, over there right now. And one of the things that he has proposed is to establish or raise or whatever, this global minimum corporate tax of 15% with an eye to making it even higher. And for me, there's so much wrong with that in that we we don't want international law and the and the ability to tax is the ability to destroy. And I have always thought that the best thing you could do for your country is to eliminate all corporate taxation and all subsidies for higher education. So right now we have indiscriminate subsidies for higher education. So our educated people that we're putting money in are getting like jazz and English majors. Yeah. They're getting degrees in that, that they absolutely cannot use. You do not you end up being a secretary, even if you're the best jazz musician. Well, not the very best, but you'd have to be one in a million to really make a living being a jazz musician. You probably end up as a secretary. So if, if, if you, took away that indiscriminate subsidy, which misallocates resources. And at the same time, you enticed corporations to come. You could, by having no taxes at all, they will reinstate what I remember seeing when I was growing up. Corporations all had, or the corporations in our town all had a college program. So if you were a secretary, you could, my sister did this. She was a secretary and she went to school at night and became a pharmaceutical chemist and then got a job there. And she got a master's there and she became, you know, very successful and respected professional. And she was hard. She had to work at night, but you know, what else are you going to do? Drink? But then they say, okay, what happens is one country will lower the tax rate and they and so a company will come into your country, exploit your education and send the taxes to the headquarters in another country. And it's like, OK, that's just so corporate taxes don't work. And that actually makes me think about how taxation really is. If you want to even be a minarchist and say that government is joint self-defense and that we're just doing that. Then it then it should be tied to what it what you're saying it's for, which is uh, the protection of person and property. And I know nobody likes the wealth tax thing, but the income tax thing or the corporate tax thing doesn't even have any logic to it. Is the guy who makes a million dollars a year and the secretary who makes uh, fifty thousand a year who works for him, they're using the exact same resources except for maybe contracts. Why should he have to pay not only 
he shouldn't have to pay a flat rate. Like he should, they should pay like a head tax. Like they should each have to pay a thousand dollars a year. And then if you want to protect your property, the title of your property contract and stuff like that, then you pay as a percentage of that, which people call a wealth tax. And it maybe is, it's more like a title tax if you want to use the government's resource. So, so the idea of a corporate tax is inherently, um, you know, disconnected from the idea of what taxes are for. And then of course, Yellen is saying that's so that we can have an even playing field so we can help people out, yada, yada, taking away, you know, reducing the amount of prosperity that you can get with business, you know, productivity is presuming that she can figure out a better way to use that money. And I would say they can't. <laughs> no, I would say it's dangerous for them to think they can. Right. And it's <laughs> centralization and, is death. Yeah. And they have not proven, you know, it's just a bunch of gobbledygook. There was too much material for today. I wanted to get deep into everything. And of course we have such a short show. So what are you going to do? But we do have a really fantastic last story of the free 30 and we can pick up these other themes in the patron 15 if you like. Uh, but before we get to that last story, let me tell you, I have a little poem. I'm not sure how relevant <laughs> it is, but it's, it's metaphorical. And I'm going to explain it to you in the patron 15. The Bidens are reds. Violence is blue. New Yorkers are haters. And so are you. I will deconstruct that in the patron 15. And of course, a big shout out to the sponsor of today's show. Same sponsor as yesterday. I just wanted to remind everybody that government-scam.com slash Monica is they, that's Etienne de la Voetsi squared, whom you have seen on the show. And uh, we have a Rockman video. We put it in the audio. He's great. His idea has always been just to take a, what he makes this coffee table book. He was on James Corbett. He kind of walked him through it page by page. It's a zero to 60 red pill for visual learners. So you, it sits at your coffee table. You Somebody will look at it. And I'm telling you, I have seen it happen. And many, many people have bought this book who listen to the show and have written back to me like, that is the thing. And it's really practical. It has a lot of links. So you have the physical book, but you can go to the website. It talks about events that are coming during the year. It uh, talks about action items. It's excellent. He also sells on that website some of Larkin Rose's Larkin Rose is another one who he just wakes people up in a very simple way, takes the time. It's not like a one-off blog post. It's not, oh, you've got to listen to this podcast. These guys have really thought it through. They have refined the argument. And with these, these Larkin Rose books, these are things that I have thought of myself. So what anarchy isn't is a great depiction. It's teeny little book. I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's for teens, but it appeals to teens. It's got little cartoons in it and stuff. It's and it's kind of funny. The pictures are really funny. And it just, it explains what I think Cam you've said, which is when they talk about what anarchy is, what they're really talking about is the government. Yeah. Status right? quo. <laughs> yeah, they're actually what they're scaring you with is what the world would be like without them doing all those scary things to you. And it doesn't make sense. The world would be a much less scary place. And then that's what anarchy isn't. But he also has the most dangerous superstition, which just walks through one by one how the necessity of government is this idea that you can't live without it is extremely dangerous. And it in in this book, I think, 
holds the key to the chains, the mental chains, the mental slavery. There was a famous quote, I wish I had it handy, about that the, the chains of slavery cannot be unlocked on the body if, if the mind does not know it is enslaved. And that, I think, is what this book goes to. It's, they're really very, very good. They're, you know, they're, they're not for us. They're for people who we want to reach. So that's that. And if you if you liked our sponsors, support our sponsors. If you like our show, support our sponsors. And if you like our show, support our show. And one thing that you can do if you've been missing Binkley, go over to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and watch our videos there. That's where Binkley's fantastic research and he's got his finger on the pulse of the propagandists. They are revealing their plans in real time and he picks them up sometimes within a day. And then after he breaks it down for us, we see it unroll in the propaganda machine for two weeks after that. It's really a way to be prepared and to direct. So that when you see it coming across the propaganda feed, you can tell your friend, you know, go watch this video or go look at what this, this organization was cooking up last week. And you'll see this is totally, uh, this is AstroTurf stuff they're doing here, including, I think the last one was about uh, propagandizing teens to get the vaccine. The one before that was uh, using, um, it was the guy who did the Council for Combating Digital Hate was in charge of getting people of color to take the vaccine. It's really interesting where this propaganda comes from. It was last year we had ones about um, how to justify violence when you're at BLM protests, literally. And it was wow. white people. So we're going to get, <laughs> Cam, that'll go to what we're talking about, the patron 15. Without further ado, let us get to that big story, the big last story of the Free 30 camp. Here's the thing. So I was asking you, we were talking about solutions. You called me a, a, a solution. You said I want to be a solutionarian or something. <laughs> it's uh, Maj Ture calls his, the people with uh, Black Guns Matter solutionaries. I have to tell you something about Maj Ture. Funny that you should mention it at the end. Before we break for the patron 15, I'll tell you. But you tell me. So you said you told me about some solutions in your newly adopted state. And I want to hear about it. So one of the things that's going around right now is if you've ever been on Twitter, especially in the more liberty minded parts of Twitter, there's a battle going on right now. There's a battle between uh, like one big one is between Tho Bishop and some of the Libertarian Party slash Mises Caucus people. And this is something that I find really interesting. I'm essentially anti-politics at this point in my life. I don't want to have anything to do with it at all. And so when I'm looking at the different solutions, I, I'm not saying I'm special, but I, insofar as I'm not going to do either, I do feel like I have a little bit better of a look at weighing which one makes more sense and which one's more strategic. And one of the people that does that is Tho Bishop, who works with the Mises Institute out of Auburn with Jeff Deist and all of the, the great people there. And uh, one of his points is that we should be doing coalition building and fighting against um, the overstepping of the federal government on a local level. We should be doing it on a state level and that we should utilize the the power of the GOP and, you know, use entryism to get in there and change that. And he's getting a lot of pushback. 
And I asked him today, I said, you know, I'd like to talk about this and I'd like to share your thoughts and I'd like to give, do them justice because I feel like not a lot of people give him the time to actually state what his point is. And he, he, he did it. He, he sent me some good stuff. And what he told me was that politics is not as much about politicians as it is about the people that support the politicians. And so one of the things that you have to realize as hold someone on, who on. is. Okay. So say that sentence again. That po politics is less about politicians than it is about people that support the politicians. Okay. Got it. So it's, it's, it's less the about the, yeah, it's yeah, less about the figurehead than the. Yes. Than the I understand. And uh, as libertarians, especially in our sect of things, Austrian economics is a big part of that. And so he talked about how the Austrian economics is based on the subjective theory of value. And so products have their price based on what utility they have, what the person thinks they're worth. And we need to apply that to the political system and to the value of politics, which means there are people who are voters that want to help us in the things that we care about that we're not talking to. And there is a corollary with that subjective theory of value, which is that it's reliant on Mises' idea of praxeology. So mm -hmm. when people say economics, well, there is no ideal world. People don't know their own utility and people are irrational. That's an answer to rational. And Mises says, I don't care if they're rational or it doesn't matter. It's what actually happens that I care about. We yeah, want man acts. Yes. And that, and we want, and, and there are, there's an impact to that. And so his, his major point is, and that's that, why, sorry, the pricing mechanism, which reflects the subjective theory of value, which reflects praxeology is perfect. There's no one has to assess that. So you can say, well, the person's irrational. It doesn't matter if there are pencils on the shelf, you're charging too much for those pencils or nobody wants them at all. It doesn't matter why it doesn't matter if they should want it. And those pencils will disappear from the shelves and pens will be there instead. And, you know, you, you'll just take this, you, you will respond with the supply and demand with price mechanism. You will respond to the reality and then your reality will change if people aren't buying it or, or selling it. Yeah. And, and one of his points that goes right into that, which is there are a lot of people who are willing to vote who are mad. They're angry at our enemies. They're angry at DC and want to, to have leaders that tell DC to go die in a fire. And that is what we need to tap into is these are people who over the last year and a half have been destroyed, you know, financially, et cetera. And Florida is a special place in so far as DeSantis is one of those guys who has actively fought, um, you know, centralized science by having his own doctors to talk about COVID instead of going to the CDC and just following what the WHO says. He, uh, he flexed against the, um, the vaccine passports and COVID lockdowns. And he, there are a lot of people who are disaffected, who are angry, who want to change things and want to fight DC, which is centralized power. And that we need to work with these people and work with these figures that they follow because Trump wasn't good. Let's not talk, Trump is not a great guy. However, he inflamed people to want to act. And there are a lot of people with an ax to grind. And so right now, one of the coolest things that I've seen is how well mocking the media has changed things. Um, because I think that what we're looking at is we need to recognize that the tyranny in the world today 
isn't purely from the state as a lot of people understand it. It's not just the government. You know, it's the the cathedral, as Mintress Mulbug or Michael Malice call it. It's the mixture of uh, universities, the state, and and media. And so one of the one of the cool things that's been happening is uh, DeSantis actually uses a phrase from anarchist Michael Malice when he's when he's yelling at the press. He doesn't call them the mainstream media, which I think is good. He calls them the corporate press, which which dehumanizes it, which makes it something ugly, and it's not mainstream because calling the ma calling the corporate media the mainstream media helps them. Nice. It says they're sane. It says that they're the people that you can work with right. and listen to, and they're not. It's the so, corporate media. So true. It's fake. It's churned out. It's it's designed poorly, and so seeing that happen and seeing what what can happen on in Florida means that if we can take that energy, that anger, that frustration, and make more people understand and, and connect with people who realize we're living in a corrupt empire and that the only the only hope we have is to mobilize the victims of the empire, that's how we're going to make change. It's not going to be in some little walled-off cocoon of people who all agree. It's not going to be ideological of twins that we have out there. It has to, we have to reach into the different areas that inflame people into the different areas that people care about and work with them on that single issue to get that taken care of. That's what Murray Rothbard did. He left the libertarian party and he started trying to, he tried to work with the new left. He tried to work with um, the paleo conservatives is called the paleo strategy. And that's what Tho Bishop is pushing for is to partner with people who are as pissed off as we are about the things we should be pissed off to the point that we can actually change them and use the existing structure as a weapon against the federal government. Can could it be that is one would it be consistent with what you're saying to to say it would be an issue by issue thing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you I, I think that he is he what he's doing is he's investing in DeSantis rhetorically and talking about that right now because he's in Florida. That is his his local yeah. area, that's his state. And so DeSantis is fighting the corporate power. He's fighting the press and he's fighting DC. And that's something that that he believes in and that more people should I don't think I don't want DeSantis to leave Florida though, because I mean, you know, he he made it so that I can buy groceries and don't have to have a passport. What would he what would he do? <laughs> become president? Like why would he leave? People want him to, but I don't I don't okay. I don't want that. So so is he is he legit? Is there any possibility that what he's doing? Because I I'm always afraid that if you if if he is empowering the state to tell private corporations that they can't have a vaccine passport, yes, we're in desperate times, and uh, but it's so ideologically it's so I mean just because it's so profoundly a violation of private property rights, I find it hard to... Well, and I would say that when you're looking at this, you have to look at who are the people that would be pushing for this and lobbying you know, for vaccine passports, which is Target, this Walmart. Is, this is what you, why what you're saying really appeals to me, and it's I have to expand my mind to it, yeah. and that's why praxeology is the kind of thing I keep thinking about, is that the, that the COVID thing absolutely for sure no question about it the policies were i would say designed but certainly had the effect of 
benefiting greatly the government-connected corporations target Walmart, like you're talking about, at the expense of even smaller, like multi-site businesses or mom-and-pop shops, which were already on the way out. Any regulatory barriers like health things, all that kind of stuff will really promote it. And so now you're, you're look, what we're really looking at is fascism. You're yeah. really looking at, and, and it's actually True. what I call the backdoor fascism because it's the corporations that are then imposing laws that are so unconstitutional. The, con- the government couldn't, even in this post-constitutional world, they couldn't even get away with that. So they, they say to Target, they say to Walmart, we will continue to suppress your competition and we will continue to subsidize your, not only your access to finance, but your, uh, not only your access to finance, but also your R and D and all that kind of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and if, you know, you're, if we make sure that people can't go to the store anymore, only guys with delivery services like you, yada, yada. So, and then those people come and put these, and then you can see like with the world economic forum stuff and other things that Binkley's brought to Rockfin, for example, that they say, look, what the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get our corporate allies to impose all of these rules. Then we're going to get the lawyers on board. Then we're going to get the politicians on board. So I think we have to realize that the ideology of the constitution is now used as a weapon against us. And I am a hundred percent in favor of not compromising at all with the constitution at the state level, violating private property rights, isn't a violation of the constitution. Actually, they, he can, I think he can do that because I am also like a big 10th amendment fan. So for me, states really can do whatever they want and then you can move, which is what you're seeing happening right now. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that happening, but it's highly manipulated. I, I, I I think I have to open my mind to this. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we have to look at when it comes to what's happened over the last year is you're right. This is fascist. This is cronyist. I mean, Look at what how much up is Pfizer up this year in, in profit? Sixty billion dollars? Something oh, like that. That was, that was a while ago. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. More than that. Billions yes, of dollars. Yes, that might have been the 2020 number. Yeah. Right. And so the, you know, they're pairing with um with Walmart and all these places to get the vaccine out where they're making money off of administering the vaccine from Pfizer and the government. Like all of this, like there are people who are purist anarchists who won't use a term like the cathedral or anything like that, but this is the state. The corporations were created by the state and given special permissions by the state to think of them as separate from the straight is a mistake. And so Robert, not Robert, DeSantis, what he was doing, whether or not, I mean, the private property thing's a little weird, but at the end of the day, what he was doing was fighting the federal government and he yeah. was fighting for federalism. I'll just say two last things. I say this all the time that libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by it. So you'll, uh, you will not allow there's, you'll fall on your, to, you'll fall on your sword for the law, you know, the constitution and defend all the good things in it. Not that it's, perfect, but all the good things in it. And then here is a guy, DeSantis, who has the power to stop that vaccine in the corporate level. That mm-hmm. is part of the law. We, we, we defend the law. They, he has the power. He's obviously exercising the power. You could accept the good part of a bad dictatorial structure 
You know, there's no reason to fight the thing that is going to help you live to fight another day. I mean, it's hard and, because I'm very ideological, but I, and it's, and that's a slippery slope. Well, uh, and that's one of the things that Tho has said, I just want to mention is uh, we talk a lot about trade-offs for people who aren't willing to recognize them. And so for me, DeSantis and the vaccine passport thing was a trade-off. It was, do I want these corporations to decide whether or not I can go to the grocery store or do I want to protect corporations' rights to property? Well, and because they don't, they have used so many government uh, benefits, privileges, like mm -hmm. Chuck Schumer said to Intel, let's use the power of the federal government to give you an advantage and just put your chip shop in New York. So so they they have exploited the power of government to keep competitors out. See, so what you really want to do is say, okay, you just want a competing grocery chain that doesn't have vaccine passports. But what they can do then, a lot of times what they'll do at that point is they'll say, well, somebody got COVID at your grocery store. It was possible for you to make a vaccine mandate, which would have saved that person's life. And now you're liable for that person's life because there was an alternative that your competitor is demonstrating was viable. That's how tort law works. So we yeah. can't get into that. But, uh, and I also think that Q is, is harnessing that power that Tho wants to harness because that power, well, Q is a, is a, is a limit. That power that Trump imparted by galvanizing the angry, that's a limited hangout. They, the powers that be were using it for their own purposes mm -hmm. to create a cult of personality around Trump so that he could do things that are against our interests and against our ideology, but they unleashed something and Q is there to control it. Now, it'd be much better if Tho were controlling it. I absolutely agree. And I probably didn't do him justice, but I tried. I well, tried. I, I'm happy. I would love to have a conversation <laughs> with him. You think he's open to that? Oh, absolutely. He okay. was very excited. He was like, yes, sure. I'll, t I'll, I'll make this list for you. Oh, so okay. was Mike, right. by the way. Well, then I'll talk the to him. That, that would be fantastic. I would love to become more educated. Maybe we'll do a three-way, as it were. I'd love so, it. <laughs> so look, um, I have a couple of great uh, things to mention. I wanted to thank some of our latest patrons, Andrew, James, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. I want to uh, have a, a shout out that I chose for you. I feel like I could be wrong, Cam. I thought I knew this about you, that this is something that you would, uh, you could give snaps to. Eric shouts out the creator of the universe and our heavenly father and his son, Christ Jesus, and God's gift of the Holy Spirit, which is available to all who believe that God raised Jesus from the dead through the acceptance of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection we are delivered from the evil of this world. May God's love and peace be with you all. Amen, you brother. Get, get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Eric, for that profound sentiment on this last day of Cam's special appearance. And we <laughs> can offer up some prayers to for Binkley and his family. He lost his mom. Yesterday was her funeral and also his birthday. Bummer. So we'll have to, I decided that we're going to move his birthday to the next DPP. And then we'll nice. toast him there. But I absolutely have to tell people real quick about the Freedom Fest. I'm going to host a stage at Freedom Fest. It's July 21st to the 24th. It's in South Dakota. It's going to have a lot of really cool events and people. It is, it's like three or four days. It's $499. If you use FF21 Liberty, FF21 Liberty, all caps, 
at freedomfest.com, you get 10% off. And it's uh, only $3.99 to add a guest. That's July 1st. And it is, let me just tell you, there's some really fun things. It's The theme is Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, which is exactly my theme for the year. Exactly. Uh, and they're going to do some fun things. They're going to go to the um, Mount Rushmore. I kind of want to do that. I remember as a kid, I went to Mount Rushmore in a helicopter and... It was the memory of a lifetime, but you would not believe the people, the speakers who are going to be there. Guess, I'm going to give you one guess for one speaker. I didn't mention yesterday, Cam. I gave you a hint earlier. One guess, one speaker. Hmm. I have nothing. Tell me. I just Maj Ture. Oh, nice. I'm going to meet him and hopefully I'll interview him while I'm there. How fun would My that be? My friend Dent is going to be there. He also has a plan oh. to um, decentralize some stuff and get rid of property taxes oh, where he lives. I'm I've sure met him. Hear about that. I might ask you to hook me up with Maj if you can figure that out. Dave Rubin's going to be there. Dr. Drew, John Mackey. I really want to pick his brain, but I doubt I'll get access. Uh, Larry Elder, Tom Woods, Joe Jorgensen, Dave Smith, Grover Norquist, James O'Keefe, John McWhorter, who, oh my gosh, John McWhorter. I've had, oh, he wrote a great book called Authentically Black years and years ago. He's a Berkeley English professor. Oh my gosh. Dennis Quaid. I'd rather have Randy, but whatever. Uh, Catherine Bernard, Atlanta's local favorite. Catherine Bernard. I love her. Doug Casey. Wow. This is going to be cool. Now, I wish I hadn't really let that sink in because now I'm nervous because I have to <laughs> MC one of the stages. I'm totally nervous about that. Anyway, well, we can talk more about that in the patient 15, if you want, but we have a lot to talk about in the patient 15. I have to deconstruct my little poem. <laughs> so with that, let me tell you that you can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at the or your favorite podcasting platform under the propaganda report podcast feed. And if you want extra content, on a daily basis, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. That includes the patron 15, which we're about to get into. Join up at propaganda at Patreon. And we will talk to you tomorrow or in the patron 15. And as Binkley would say, have a fantastic rest of your day. 